I'm going to hit hard and fast, so bear with me. And the bottom line, guys, is God's standards are there for our own good. When God tells me not to lust, when he tells me to run from sexual immorality, it's for my own good. It's because he created me and he knows how I work. And so it's for my own good. And so the whole point here, guys, is great sex. How many of you guys think that's a good option? Anybody in here going, I don't want great sex? If, if that's where you're coming from, you should probably leave. Because that's not where I'm coming from. But anyway, that's what God's goal for you is. And porn hinders that and destroys that. You'll never get that if you're addicted to porn. If you are struggling with porn, I think that you're going to be able to walk out today with a vision for success and how to beat this thing and not to be in bondage to it. If you're not struggling with porn, great. I hope what you hear today will help you equip other men around you to have success because they desperately need it. Just this past week in my Bible study Tuesday night, I told the guys, I said, I think you're too insecure to talk about this on your own. And so I'm going to just throw it out there and make you feel uncomfortable, and then you have to talk about it. So all the guys, they're like, what are we going to talk about? <laughs> and I threw the issue out. If you think that it isn't a big issue, you're dead wrong. It's huge, and we'll hear the stats on that in a minute. And I want to kind of paint two pictures for you. The bondage of defeat versus the freedom of victory. You can think of it like this. If you don't beat the lust and porn addiction, you lose. You lose true manhood, the abundant life, freedom, fulfillment, your reputation, confidence, purity, and satisfying sex that God intends for you. If you don't beat the porn addiction, your wife loses the husband God intended for. I want to say to you single guys, if you're struggling with porn, quit dating. I've seen this really destroy how men will treat women in a dating relationship. And they end up doing things to women that are really, really destructive. If you don't beat the lust and porn addiction, your kids lose the example and role model they so desperately need. Your church, community, and country lose the man that God intended for them. And ultimately, God and eternity lose because your life calling, purpose, and fruitfulness are limited and hindered. The ripple effect of porn is that you can't control it. You can't control it. You have to kill it. It will kill you if you don't kill it. Ted Bundy killed 75 women. And it all started with porn. That's the ripple effect of addiction to pornography. And for any of us to think that I won't get there, that's just plain foolish. Because that's the natural result or the natural ripple effect of that addiction. Okay, if you do beat the lust in porn addiction, now here's the positive side. If you beat it, you win true manhood. You win the abundant life, freedom, fulfillment, your reputation, confidence, purity, and satisfying sex that God intended for you. Your wife wins the husband God intended for her. Your kids win the example and role model they so desperately need. Your church, community, and country win the man that God intended for them. And ultimately, God and eternity win because your life, calling, purpose, and fruitfulness are not limited by this addiction. The ripple effect of victory, guys, is intimacy with God and your wife, encouraging relationships, purity, fulfillment, and sexual satisfaction. Okay, so those are the two pictures. I want to take those two pictures and look at Proverbs 5. Proverbs 5 describes those two different situations that I just talked to you about. Proverbs 5, 3 through 5 starts out talking about lust or the adulterous or the porn side of this coin. It goes like this, The lips of an adulteress drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil. But in the end she is bitter as gall, sharp as a double-edged sword. Her feet go down to death, her steps lead straight to the grave. This is literally what this issue does to us. It leads straight to the grave. Proverbs 5, 15 and 18 through 19 paint the opposite side of this picture. So contrast porn and lust with this. Drink water from your own cistern. He's talking metaphorically here. Running water from your own well, may your fountain be blessed, and may you rejoice in the fountain of your youth. A loving doe, a graceful deer, may her breast satisfy you always, and may you ever be captivated by her love. 
You see this picture? God is saying on the one hand, you have a perversion of the sex that God created for us to enjoy, and that leads to death. On the other hand, you have the way God created it, and it leads to a lifetime of satisfaction. Isn't that good? So that's God himself painting the picture of what's at stake here, and the two different sides to this coin. And ultimately, those same two sides are found in John 10.10, remember? John 10.10a says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came what? To give life and to give it more abundantly. So again, we have those two options. Porn ends up stealing, killing, and destroying what God intended. Whereas when I do it God's way, I experience the abundant life, even in sex, that God intended for each of us as men to experience. Is that awesome? I hope that's encouraging to you. So the idea here isn't, don't get into porn because God's just this judge and this guy that wants to be mad. The idea is, is sex is too good to ruin it that way. So that being said, what's God's desire? Matthew 22 says God's desire is for us to love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. That includes this area. What are my affections directed at? What is my mind thinking about? What are my strengths going to? What is my energy going to? If you look in Proverbs 5, he concludes the chapter saying, I guess not concludes, I guess in verse 11 he talks about, don't waste your strength on the adulterous woman. You'll get to the end of your life and be wasted. Okay, so again, how do I love God in all those areas? God's desire is that I would walk worthy of Him. Colossians 1.10, Philippians 1.27, right? Worthy of Him. Guys, porn prevents that. Galatians 5.22-26 talks about the fruit of the Spirit, which includes self-control. God's desire for me is self-control. And so much other fruit that results from that. Uh, God's desire, Ephesians 5, Colossians 3, is to love my wife with an agape, unconditional, putting her first type of love. Porn is the opposite of that. It's setting my wife up to compete against all these other women, which is not loving her. And God desires that I would love my wife. Romans 6 talks about not offering our bodies to unrighteousness, not being enslaved to sin. And I think what happens with porn, guys, is it becomes a bondage that we're enslaved to, that we can't break free from. And Romans 6 and Romans 7 continues talking all about how we can beat that cycle. We'll hit that a bit in a minute. And over and over and over, there are too many verses to even mention here. It talks about not giving in to sexual immorality, which this is. Okay, so why is this a problem for men? Don't believe the lie that women aren't into porn either. I'll share some stats in a minute that are kind of revealing. But it is typically a masculine problem. And here are some of the reasons why. Number one, it goes to pride. I don't think adultery or porn have anything to do with sex, honestly. I think they have to do with pride. Because I think it has to do with us satisfying some insecurity that we have. If you're a married guy, you can go have sex with your wife. That, that should satisfy natural sexual desires. That's what God designed. So if I'm looking in other areas, there's a need beyond just sex that I'm trying to meet. And I think for us men, that's pride. And we're naturally more proud. Does that make sense? I have insecurities. I want to feel like I'm the man. I want to feel like I can conquer, like I can win, like I can achieve. And a lot of times, porn does that for us. And so does adultery. I think that's why a lot of people, a lot of men get into adultery, especially a lot of pastors. A good note on that, Billy Graham was asked about why so many pastors are falling. And he asked the reporter, how many planes take off every day and land safely? And when one crashes, that's all you cover. He goes, I suggest you go cover the tens of thousands that land safely. So it's by no means all pastors that fall in this area. But you guys, adultery goes back and lust goes back to pride. And men are more geared that way, so we're susceptible to it. Other reasons that it's a struggle for us. We're rebellious by nature. We would rather do things our own way. We want to take control. 
we have a strong natural sex drive. Again, that's a good thing. God gave you a strong sex drive so that you could have that fulfilled the way he designed it. And that's a good thing. It's a gift from God. We receive sexual gratification through the eyes. Men are eyesight stimulated. We're vision oriented. So we receive sexual stimulation through the eyes. And we can visualize mental sexual foreplay. We can visualize sex in a way that women don't. Does that make sense? So we as men are kind of geared towards struggling in this issue naturally. So it really can be a big deal. The problem, though, is that God has this plan for us, like we mentioned a minute ago, but we've replaced it with a plan that doesn't work. In Jeremiah 2, verse 13, it says, We've replaced the spring of living water with empty cisterns that don't satisfy. Russ and I disciple a lot of guys, a lot of college guys. I've never met one yet, and I've talked with tons of them about porn, that says, you know, after an hour of viewing porn, I feel so satisfied and fulfilled. Never met one that says that. They feel empty. See, the cistern is not satisfying. It's leaving them empty, as will all sin. Jesus put it this way, guys, Matthew 5, 28. I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust after her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So lust is the same as adultery. Porn is the same as adultery. This is not a small issue to remind you, according to the Old Testament law, this deserved death. Thank God we have his forgiveness and mercy. But this is how serious this issue is to God. In Job 31.3, Job put it this way about his personal life. I have made a covenant with my eyes not to look with lust upon a young woman. That was Job's personal covenant. And I think it's a covenant that I hope we can all walk out of here realizing. Lust is a sin. Porn is a sin. I'm going to make a covenant with God not to lust. Lust is choosing to use another person for my own gratification. That's very different than, than sex in marriage. So I don't lust after my wife. I'd be just choosing to use her. But I love my wife, and part of that involves this sexual relationship. Do you see the difference between lust and love there? There's a difference. I had a student ask me last week, actually, is it okay to get excited and think about your wife sexually? I said, are you kidding me? Of course it's okay. That's a big part of why God created sex in marriage. That's not lust, though. Does that make sense? So I don't look with lust upon a young woman. That's a great commitment. The problem is huge. The problem is huge. I think this is the big reason that men don't serve. So pastors, how many of you guys are pastors in here? Okay, can you, how, how hard is it to get men to serve in your church? Pretty hard, right? I was just talking with a missionary from Afghanistan. I had a great trip last month. We were over in a Muslim country sharing our faith in some other great places. And upon returning, we got to meet with a missionary in Afghanistan. He's, so he stands out like a sore thumb in Afghanistan. But he said people stop him in the streets and thank him for being there. And God is using him. People are coming to Christ. It's amazing. But I asked him, just out of curiosity, how many men serve in Afghanistan? Okay, out of 70 people, 70 missionaries that he knows of, how many single men do you think there are? There are a couple families. How many single men do you think there are out of 70 missionaries? Just throw a number out. You're close. Three. Three men. You guys think men are hardwired to hate risk and adventure? No. We love that stuff. So why don't we serve? You think men are hardwired to lead? Yeah, of course we are. Why don't we serve? I think the reason men don't serve in church, there are a lot of great reasons. You can read a great book called Why Men Hate Going to Church. But anyway, I think the problem is a lot simpler than that. I think men are addicted to porn, and they're afraid to step out and serve. This is what prevents men from serving, guys. I know it because I talk to students that say, hey, when you asked me to lead a Bible study, I thought, how in the world could I lead a Bible study? I'm looking at porn every day. And so, you guys, why men won't serve goes back to this issue. 
in a lot of ways. So if you're a pastor, just make that note, that it's something to deal with with your men if you want them to get to where they can actually be serving in, in a great capacity at the church. And the opposite of that is true, guys. When men get free, I've seen men that get free from this issue be so emboldened and so supercharged that they can't help but share their faith daily, that they can't help but lead by example, and actively leading Bible studies, leading events, speaking, all this. So when men get free, it supercharges us to go. Does that make sense? So this is a big deal. There's a lot at stake here. In fact, I think you could say the entire future of the church in America is at stake. Because if men won't lead, it's going to just go downhill from there. So we need to get this figured out. And you guys, like I'm saying here, if you're struggling with this, today's the day that you can walk away in victory. If you're not struggling with this, still listen carefully. Because you can help the guys around you win and have victory in their families and churches. This is so important. So here are the stats. The number one search term used at search engine sites is sex. It's more than most other terms combined. Terms like movies, jobs, etc., etc., all those combined make up fewer searches than the word sex. Other terms like porn are all in the top ten also, and nude, other terms like that. The majority of internet traffic is focused around pornography and sex. You guys, in August 2006, 50% of all Christian men and 20% of all Christian women were addicted to porn. This isn't like occasionally looked at porn. This is half of Christian men were addicted to porn. It controlled them. They didn't control it. And one in five Christian women. Okay, for us to believe this isn't a big deal is just believing a complete lie. This is a huge deal. And it's not just out there. It's in our own churches and in our own houses. Okay, get this. On the ground, the statistics that I've seen, and I work with college guys, so maybe this is skewed a little bit, but on the ground, among Christian college men, I think it's 90 to 95% struggle with porn. And among non-Christian men on the college campus, I think it's at least 100%. We asked one of the football players this week, how many would you say struggle with porn? 95%, Russ asked. The guy said, no, Russ, 100%. This is not a small issue. This is big. Now get this, guys. 51% of pastors admit struggling with porn in some capacity. 40% of pastors admit viewing porn recently, sometime in the near past. 18% of them said they visited sexually explicit websites between a couple times a month and more than once a week. That's one in five. This is a big deal. This is not small. This is destroying us. Only 25% of pastors use a filter to prevent their computer from being able to go to porn sites. Pornography and sexual immorality are the number one reason people leave the mission field. So, you guys, for us leaders, I want to challenge all of us in this room. It starts with us. Because our men are only going to model what they see us doing. And even if they don't see what's happening, our examples come out loud and clear. We can't challenge them to be pure if we're not being pure ourselves. So what are the effects of this, guys? This is huge. If you're a married man, porn equals less sex equals more porn equals less sex equals more porn equals less sex. How many of you married men want very little to no sex. That's the result of porn. That's a real practical effect. Porn is an addictive habit. Epinephrine is released into your blood when you're sexually stimulated. That makes this chemically addictive. So porn is not just visually addictive, it is chemically addictive. And you guys, this is interesting, epinephrine increases memory ability. So all the pictures that you're viewing when you view porn are seared literally into your mind. So you can't just forget this stuff. You can't just get rid of these images overnight. 
This becomes a lifelong battle, and the longer I'm in the struggle without victory, the worse the battle becomes. Is this picture getting a little scary? I hope it's showing you the significance of the problem. Dr. Jeffrey Satinover put it this way in testimony to the U.S. Senate in 2004. Modern science allows us to understand that the underlying nature of an addiction to pornography is chemically nearly identical to a heroin addiction. I've had guys say, ah, it's just a Playboy magazine. No big deal. Whoa, it is a big deal. It's like saying, ah, it's just a little shot of heroin. I can control it later. It's not a big deal. Here are some actual student quotes from students that I'm discipling that have talked to me about porn. And again, Ted here, Russ and I, we're all about confidentiality. And so I'm not going to share any names. But I want you guys to hear kind of their heart and what they felt. So here it is. Porn has controlled me for more than half my life. This coming from a 19 to 20 year old guy. I can't look at anyone without thinking sexual thoughts. I had one guy tell me that. I can't look at males or females without thinking sexual thoughts ever. Every single person I see. That's how messed up my mind is, he said. And that was a result of porn. Another said, I was afraid to serve God because of my addiction. But I've heard that echoed many, many times. Those are just a few quotes that illustrate the heart of the matter and where things are really going. You guys, you can't control it. The law of diminishing returns, right? The more I get into porn, the less it satisfies, the deeper I have to go to feel that satisfaction. And the end result of that, I want to just read you a little bit from an interview between Dr. Dobson and Ted Bundy. The end result of that process into porn goes something like this. Here's Ted Bundy, killed nearly 75 women. And here's his direct quote. I led a normal life except for this one small but very potent and very destructive segment of it that I kept secret, very close to myself. I've met a lot of men who are motivated to commit violence just like me. Without exception, every single one of them was deeply involved in pornography, deeply influenced and consumed by an addiction to pornography. It reached out and snatched me 20 or 30 years ago. Certain feelings and ideas developed in me to the point where I began to act out on them certain very violent and very destructive feelings. Okay, I can't control this. This is where it will lead me unless I give it to God and let Him destroy it and kill it. And this is why I need to beat it now, guys, is the potential to lust only increases over a lifetime. The older you get, guys, the sinful nature gets stronger, right? It doesn't mean that I fall in sin anymore. It just means that I've been around the earth long enough to have a lot more junk in my mind that can be brought up real easily. Does that make sense? And so the potential to lust increases over a lifetime. So if I don't learn how to control it now, it's going to be harder to learn how to control it later. I tell single guys this. If you think you're going to quit lusting when you get married, you're dead wrong. In fact, I think the potential of lust is much greater after you get married. You're having a lot more sex, so it's on your mind a lot more. <laughs> okay? So you better be a lot more vigilant in controlling your thinking after marriage than you are now. The process starts now. And now here's the deal. When I fall into sin... Okay, when I fall into sin, a cycle happens. And we've all been in this. This same cycle happened in Genesis 3 to Adam and Eve. They desired the fruit and saw that they could gain wisdom from it. So they had a natural desire. They were tempted to sin because of that. Right? After being tempted to sin, so it went desire, temptation. After being tempted, they actually sinned. They committed the action. After committing the sin, they felt conviction. Oh, we're wrong. And what did they go and do after that? They ran and hit from God. They isolated themselves. So here's what happens. This is a general sin cycle, but it applies very much to the porn issue. Okay? So we desire, we're tempted, 
We sin, and then God's Holy Spirit convicts us. In John 16, 8. After that conviction, we can go one of two ways. The one way is to rationalize and believe a lie. It's not a big deal. I can control it. It's not going to kill me. It's not hurting anybody else. I've heard husbands talk like this. I've heard college students talk like this about porn. Okay, when I believe a lie, in Romans 1, it says God lets me believe it. God says, okay, if you're going to believe it, you can believe it. The result of that, guys, is bondage and isolation from God and others. So, desire, temptation, sin, conviction. I run from God, believing a lie. The result is isolation from God and from others. I don't have intimacy with my wife. I don't have closeness with the men around me and with my other friends. And that's the result of porn, is that isolation and that emptiness. Now, the opposite side of that in the sin cycle, we can break the sin cycle right in the middle. This way, desire, temptation, sin, conviction. I feel the Holy Spirit convicting me, showing me that there's something wrong that just happened. Instead of believing a lie and running, I can now believe the truth and walk in the light. Okay? What does Jesus say about believing the truth? Remember this, John 8, 32? The truth will set you free. And what's the result of that freedom? If you go to 1 John 1, I have fellowship with God and others. Isn't this good? So the sin cycle, it goes desire, temptation, sin, conviction, and then I have a choice. If I run from God believing a lie, I isolate myself from God and others. If I run to God believing the truth, I have freedom and fellowship with God and others. You guys see that? This is why it's important if you're in this cycle now to choose to break it and to run to God and to get this out in the open walking in the light because that's the only way we see freedom. Now, sin, confession, fellowship, and relationship, I just want to throw this out there. I'm married to Aaron. Let's say I go home today, and I say, you are such a jerk. That'd be sin. Am I still married to her? Yeah, but you wouldn't have sex with her. <laughs> you just nailed the nail on the head. Okay, get this, guys. My relationship with Aaron is not based on that sin. My relationship is secure regardless of that sin. Does that make sense? But my fellowship with her is hindered. Okay? Until I get that right. So likewise with God, your relationship is secure. You're his son. When you sin, you are still his son. He doesn't cease to be your father when you sin. But your fellowship with God is hindered until we confess that and get it out in the light. Okay, so that's kind of what's going on here. 1 John 1.9 If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness, you guys. That whole confession, fellowship, and relationship issue, we need to confess it. We need to get it out in the light. We need to trust God with it. In Psalm 103.12, your relationship is secure. As far as the east is from the west, that's how far he's thrown your sin away from you. It's infinitely far away from you. So when I come to God asking his forgiveness, he removes the sin from me completely, not just a little bit. So practically, how do I win? I have to choose to win. We can set ourselves up for success. Don't wait till you're alone with some magazine to fight the fight. Set yourself up for success before the temptation is even there. And it boils down to lordship. If Christ is really my Lord, I'm going to choose to win this battle. If I'm really submitting to his lordship, I'm going to choose to win. If I don't choose to win, I'm seriously not truly submitting to God's lordship. And so it goes back to repentance. And if any of you have studied the Greek, like Raymond has, uh, you'll know that the word repent in the Greek does not mean change your actions. It means change your thinking. Because if you change your thinking, you're going to the root of the problem. You're going to the core of the issue. Does that make sense? Because I think before I act. If I don't think like God, I'm not going to act like God. So if I want to start acting like God, I better start thinking like God. So I've got to change my thinking. You guys, that is 
just huge. Ephesians 5, 3 through 5 says, don't let there be even a hint of sexual immorality among you. That needs to become my standard. That's God's thinking. I need to submit to His Lordship and agree with that, that that is right. I need to agree with God that that sexual standard is correct and go from there. I can't rehab my flesh, guys. It has to die. As you choose victory, know that He has already given you everything you need for life and godliness. You don't need a zap from God right now to beat pornography. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if you want help and we'll pray and then you're going to have victory. Because you won't. Okay? God didn't design this this way. He said He already gave you everything you need for life and godliness. Now I get to choose whether I'm going to walk in that or not. Right? I don't have to wait for something else to happen down the road. He's given me what I need. The choice is mine. The ball is in my court. Am I going to step out in what He's already given me? Does that make sense? I hope it's encouraging. Okay, there are no quick fixes, I like to say. You're not going to beat the porn issue in one minute. If you do, that's great. But what I'm saying is, naturally, it goes something like this. Habits can be broken in six weeks as I keep my eyes on Christ. And that's actually a valid statistic. Six weeks. I've seen guys get serious about porn, start to break it, fall a few times, and after a few weeks, they're free, guys. And I know some of these guys a year later are serving God 100%. So this is possible. Now I want to talk about how to beat temptation. I've been to too many church services where people said, you have to beat temptation by just fighting harder. I'm like, well that's great. Never worked before. How is it going to work if you just fight harder next time? I think a light's going to go off in a lot of heads right now. And I hope this encourages you a lot. If you want to beat temptation, there's one surefire way to destroy it and beat it for the rest of your life. Let's read James 1, 14 and 15 together. And as you're turning there, I'm going to read a few verses about temptation. But turn to James with me because I want this to sink in. Hebrews 4, 15, guys, says that whatever way you've been tempted in, Jesus was tempted in too. So every lustful temptation that you've ever encountered, Christ had that same temptation. Yet he was sinless. And so he's empowering me to have victory over that same sin, just like he did. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out so you can stand up under it. So victory is possible. So here's the temptation issue. James 1.14-15 But each one is tempted when by his own evil desire he is dragged away and enticed. Then after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Okay, what's the first part of the process? We mentioned it a minute ago. What's the first thing? Each one is tempted when? What? Wait, wait, what does it say? Each one is tempted when by his own evil desire. So what does temptation work on? Desire. Okay. Are desires always bad? Are they always good? Do you get to choose what things you desire? Can your desire grow in certain directions? I want you guys to get this. You get tempted only based on what desires are already there. I used to think temptation just jumps out at you and then you gotta, I gotta fight it. Oh no, I might die. That's not the case at all. Temptation works on desires that are already inside me. So if I want to control temptation, I nip it in the bud before it even hits me. I need to work on my desires and I can do that today, long before temptation ever hits me. Is that encouraging? I want to tie that to an encouraging verse, Psalm 37.4, Delight yourself in the Lord. He will give you the desires of your heart. If I want to beat temptation, guys, I need to press into Christ. I need to draw near to Him and let Him change my desires on the inside. Because from there, temptation has nothing to work with. Does that make sense? If my desire is sexual gratification, 
then lust is going to be an easy temptation. If my desire is intimacy with God and my wife, lust has nothing to hit me with. Does that make sense? So I beat temptation at the level of desire. And I go from there. Beyond that, how do I draw near to God? So I beat it. I beat temptation at the level of desire by drawing near to God. So how do I draw near to God, guys? Pray. Talk to Him. C.S. Lewis put it this way. Be sure the ins and outs of yourself are no mystery to God. Then they will be no mystery to you either. I need to be talking to God about what's going on in my life. Not just like a rote, God, bless my family today and give us the money that we need. I need to pour my heart out to God about where I'm really at, what I'm really struggling with. Because it's at that point that I start to see myself the way He sees me. And I start to have the potential for victory. Luke 22.40, Jesus told His disciples, Pray that you will not fall into temptation. So if I'm going to be dealing with temptation, Jesus said start with prayer. Second of all, if I want to draw near to God, I've got to get in His Word, guys. Again, if I want to act like Jesus, I've got to think like Jesus. A daily quiet time is required. I cannot win the battle unless I'm spending time with Him every day in His Word. Romans 12, 1-2 puts it this way, Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Because as I renew my mind, as I put God's Word in my mind, I begin to think like Him, and that's the root for my actions, I will begin to act like Him also. That's why Psalm 119.11 says, I've hidden God's Word in my heart so that I won't sin against God. Does that make sense? Because as I'm memorizing and studying and applying God's Word, I'm beginning to think more and more like Him, and I'm beginning to act more and more like Him also. Ultimately, guys, let's fight temptation the way Jesus did in Luke 4. He used Scripture, right? Every time He was tempted, He went straight to Scripture. Straight to Scripture. And the tragedy of where we're at today is we're facing this huge battle, but not many of us know the Scripture very well. So we need to get in it. We need to learn the Word so that we can fight this battle the same way He did. Guys, garbage in, garbage out. What do you watch on TV? What kind of movies do you allow yourself to watch? All that stuff that I put in, it's going to come out. Whether it's in porn or adultery or lust, or who knows what area. I need to guard what comes into my head. I need to make it stuff that's from God, not stuff that's from the world. Because if I'm putting stuff from the world in my head, the world's going to win when I get tempted. If I'm putting God's word in my head, my spirit's going to win when I'm tempted. That's just how it happens. Ultimately, you guys, you're not strong enough to win this battle. Not one of you guys here. I win it in the power of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 5.18, I need to be consciously filled with the Spirit. And in Ezekiel 36.27, he says His Spirit will empower me to obey Him. So I can't do this on my own, but each of us have His Spirit in us, empowering us to be able to win this fight. Is that good? So you have a helper that's not going to leave you alone. Okay, so practically, develop good habits. Three main defenses. Guard your eyes, Job 31.1, that covenant with my eyes. Choose what you're going to look at. Guard your mind, 2 Corinthians 10.5. Take every thought captive. Choose what you're going to think about. And guard your heart, Proverbs 4, 23 through 27. Choose what you're going to desire. So three main fronts that you can win this battle on. Guard your eyes, guard your mind, guard your heart. And I think if we do that, we just won. The fight is a process, you guys. You're fighting your flesh, you're fighting the world, and you're ultimately fighting Satan. This isn't going to be over tomorrow. Use good tools. Memorize scripture. Read good books. If you haven't read Every Man's Battle, read Every Man's Battle. Google it. You'll find it online. It's good. Get an internet filter on your computer. They're cheap. They're effective. It's not going to hurt you. And if you have high-speed internet, it's not going to slow it down much either. Okay? Get on Covenant Eyes Internet Accountability. Covenant Eyes, I'm on this with my accountability partner, Austin. Every site he visits on the computer, I get an email with all the links. Every site I visit, he gets an email with all the links. And it flags them according to score, whether or not they're dangerous sites or not. So that's a good way to maintain good, strong accountability. 
accountability is it. That's why this stuff that Ted's doing is so vitally important, guys. We need accountability. James 5.16 says, Confess your sins to one another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. If I want victory over porn, I've got to start sharing with somebody close to me, in confidence, my struggle. That's going to give me a lot of impetus for victory. And also, guys, 1 John 1 talks about getting this stuff out in the light. Getting it in the light doesn't mean I quit sinning. Because 1 John 1 also says that if we claim to be without sin, we're liars. Okay, and the truth isn't in us. So 1 John 1, when it talks about getting it in the light, means I'm getting this in the light where God can deal with it. And then I have fellowship with God and each other. So I need to get in accountability with somebody and get it out in light. You guys, accountability is so good. My accountability partner is Austin Crocus. So many of you guys know him in here. And we're brutally honest with each other about our own temptations, our own shortcomings, whether it's in lust or any other area. Ministry weaknesses. When I argue with my wife, I share that with Austin right away. We're encouraging each other in every aspect of life. And the result of this, guys, is that Austin has become closer than I can imagine a human being being. Does that make sense? We've both prayed with each other through stuff. We've both encouraged each other. We've both stood with each other. It's not like this vulnerability is hard. This vulnerability actually paves the way for that David and Jonathan type of relationship that God created for us as men. And if you've never experienced that level of masculine relationship, it's so awesome, encouraging, strengthening, and refreshing. And I know if it weren't for Austin, I would not be who I am. Just because he's stood with me for so long, we've asked each other the tough questions, the hard questions, and been brutally honest with each other. And this is how honest we are with each other. We've set lust at a second look. So this woman walks through my field of vision. I recognize she's gorgeous. And then I look a second time, even for a split second. I'm going to tell Austin I look twice at a girl this week. And he's going to tell me the same. But because we have that level of accountability, again, we're setting ourselves up for success. Okay. In conclusion, after you beat this thing, which I think all of us can, you need to help other people beat this thing. You can't sit passively on the sideline. The battle is raging too hard around you. Okay, so we need to help the men around us have victory. I want to briefly end with my story. John Ray was my sixth grade teacher. He visited me here in Durango this summer with his wife and kids. I love this man. But anyway, this guy was my sixth grade teacher at a little YWAM school when I was growing up as a missionary kid. And he challenged us in 6th grade when I was 11 on porn, hardcore, for an hour. Hit, 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 kind of like this today. He challenged us that day. I want to challenge you to make a commitment today what you're going to do with porn. So I decided that day I'm not going to get into porn. Now, you guys, I can tell you, for the rest of my teenage years, it was a temptation, but I never got into porn. The first naked woman I ever saw was my wife on our wedding night. That's not because of me. I don't say that to lift myself up at all, guys. I say that to give you an idea of the power that you have to help the men around you. If you think you're powerless to help the men around you, you're dead wrong. They just need somebody that's going to be willing to bring it up, as uncomfortable as that is. So be like John Ray. Ten years from now, there might be a guy talking to a group of men that's saying your name and how thankful they are for you that you protected them from this downward cycle, from this issue. I love that man a ton. And I feel like I owe... The, the success of my marriage, life, and ministry to him in so many ways. So men need to be challenged, guys. Men want to be challenged. Proverbs 6, 20-29 tells us the value of a parent's instruction, specifically in keeping their kids from adultery and the sexual immorality. So you parents need to talk to your sons about this. And you need to talk to your daughters about this. It's vitally important. The largest group of viewers of internet porn is children between the ages of 12 and 17. 
Okay, if that doesn't scare you, there's something wrong if you have kids in your house. I shared that stat with my wife last night, and she was like, holy cow, we're never leaving the computer next to our kids. And you need to be the example, guys, because they are going to imitate your example. If you're struggling with porn, I promise you, your kids will too. But when you get victory, I promise you, your kids will too. It's very important. 1 Timothy 4.12 tells us to be examples of purity. And that's exactly what this goes back to here. So anyway, guys, my fight, the battle, it hasn't always been easy. Often tempted. I've kept my eyes as much as I can on Christ. I've kept my eyes, mind, and heart from wandering. I've fought this, and you guys, it doesn't end. You're a man, so it's not like tomorrow. Lust won't be an issue. But through accountability, you keep winning the battle. And I will be ridiculously vulnerable with you, because I think it will be encouraging to you. After I got married, I thought I would never have feelings of attraction for another woman. Probably about four years ago, I didn't even notice it at first, like this bizarre attraction for this woman that I saw at my bank. I didn't even notice it. But as I would go to the bank, it kind of grew to a point where I realized one day I was sitting in line and I literally was thinking, I hope her spot opens up, not the fat ugly guy next to her. Okay? It's kind of a natural masculine thing to think. But as soon as that thought went through my head, I realized, holy cow, this could be a big problem. I bet this is how a lot of guys get into affairs, by this very thing. So I did what I encourage all you guys to do appropriately. I went home and I told my wife, okay? And I, I tried to be very careful how I worded it to her. Second, I told my accountability partner. Third, I said I'm not going to that bank until she's not there anymore. So for like two years, I didn't. Does that make sense? You don't have to fall. God never set you up for bondage. Galatians 5.1, he wants you to have freedom. So I'm not designed by God to be in bondage. But you guys, I will have temptation hit me. And when I do, I get accountable, I get it in the light, and I get my eyes on Christ, and I have victory over that issue. I think that's the key. So anyway, my battle has been full of victory. And it's only because of Christ, guys. And it's only because of other men that have invested in my life and kept me accountable. And I thank God for that. So what are the results? I have intimacy with God, guys, that I don't feel is hindered by any of this stuff. There are no porn or other types of images that are in my mind competing with my wife. Does that make sense? Aaron alone is in my mind. I don't have anything else competing with her. That maximizes my excitement for my own wife. Do you guys want to be excited about your wife for the rest of your life? I do. Well, it starts with getting victory here. Because that maintains my excitement level for my own wife. You guys, I have probably the best sex of anybody alive. I want to encourage you that that's God's perspective. That's what God wants for each of us. Okay? And I think part of that is because I have Aaron's complete trust and respect. So she serves me in sex in ways that I just feel absolutely unworthy. I'm just like, holy cow, you are the most generous wife on the planet. Well, that's because she knows that I'm respecting her and she respects and trusts me because of it. So God really maximizes the sex that we have. I started by showing you the difference. Good sex versus Satan's perversion. And I want to close by saying this is really practically the real deal here. If we will trust God with this issue, we win. I want to be like Joseph. I want to run away from sexual temptation and run straight to God because that's where the true victory is at. So the battle is a lifelong battle. It's a good fight. It's part of the refining process. It keeps me dependent on God. I can't trust myself for a second. I've got to have Paul's attitude. I can't put any confidence in the flesh. Romans 7, 24 through 8, 1. I want you guys to read this. Paul talks about a body of death. The body of death was a punishment for one type of murder. 
in the first century AD. And what they do, if you murdered this person, they would strap the corpse to your body and it would rot there, strapped to your body. You could not escape it. So when Paul used this phrase, the body of death, he was talking about this graphic picture of a dead body literally strapped to you, rotting away that you could not escape from. Does that feel like our sin sometimes? Is that kind of how it feels? It stinks, it's disgusting, and it's killing me, and I can't get it off. That's what Paul talks about in, in Romans 7.24. And what does he say in 7.25? Where am I going to get victory? It's just in Jesus Christ. Now what does he say in the next verse, Romans 8.1? There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I want to leave you with that. He wants us to have victory. He's provided His Spirit to empower us towards victory. He's provided His Word to give us the mental capacity for victory. And now there's no condemnation in Him. Because my relationship is secure. But I need to step out in what He's already given me and achieve the victory that He's already paid for. It's vitally important. 1 Corinthians 2.9 leaves it this way. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love Him. You guys... If we do this, you can't even imagine the good things that will come out of this. So I want to encourage you today, if your struggle with porn is ongoing, you can have victory. And you guys, regardless of where you're at, don't wait till you've achieved victory to help guys around you. Get accountability group and help each other wherever you're at. But do help the guys around you because they need it. They desperately need it. Not one or two of them. I'm guessing probably all of them need it. So let's be a part of the solution, you guys. Let's fight this fight to win it. And with that, guys... Win and you'll be satisfied beyond all expectations. God is so good.